Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Who are the MVP candidates behind James Harden? Can the Spurs be a factor when Kawhi comes back? Is there a battle being waged for the soul of basketball? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live Periscope show. As always, I'm joined by Dave Dufour at Dave Dufour NBA. Uh, Dave, it's a Friday afternoon. Uh, why not do a live show and a podcast? That's right. You know, as I just said in the tweet uh, where I shared the Periscope, uh, everybody's working for the weekend, man. I'm ready. I'm ready for a nice Saturday morning. Yes. Now, is that Eddie Money? Everybody's working for the weekend? And the cruisers. That's right. Yeah, right. Eddie Money, you know, it's a funny thing. I used to say the the um, four greatest stand-up comedy albums of all time were – you know, uh, Bill Cosby himself, Eddie Murphy, um, Delirious, um, uh, Richard Pryor, Live on Sunset Strip, and Eddie Money's Greatest Hits. <laughs> so anyway, I, listen, Eddie, I'm sure Eddie Money's a great guy, really nice. I just find his, his, his songs are just, I need a hunger. I have a hunger. It's a hunger. I don't know. Like, those are the kind of words I, I make me laugh. So nonetheless. Uh, hang on. Wait. You like Delirious over Raw? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, like, Delirious is, is funny, but, like, Raw to me is – because Eddie was, like – it was, like, peak Eddie. I mean, the leather. Right. It, it was – I also saw it in the theater when I was, like – I mean, it was, like, what, 86? I was, like, five. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, okay. Because that was the VHS thing. That had come, come out. And people had, like, copies of that. We were watching it back then. Uh, so, wait. Raw is the red leather, and Delirious is, is – is, uh, they kind of all blurred in my mind. I can't even figure out which one's which now. Yeah, Raw is the red, right? Am I yeah. am I crazy? And I did see uh, it recently. I like was on. I was watching it just to see like does it stand up, and it does. It really is still really funny uh, at this point. But by the way, I watched Johnny Carson, like uh, some experts of Johnny Carson, and that dude had me laughing even you know on topical jokes from 1980. It was crazy. Yeah, Raw is the purple leather. That was what it was. Oh, yeah. So red leather, red, red leather is delirious. I don't know. Delirious might be better. Raw is, is sort of uh, maybe less, less even. It's uneven a little bit. But uh, delirious to me yeah. is all the, all the great ones nonetheless. But uh, we're here to talk some NBA before everyone leaves. Um, so what do you say? They like it when we talk about this random stuff, I think. Do they? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to put down any other podcast, but they're they're out there. We all know who they are, and I don't know. I kind of been. I kind of just be like, okay. I mean, listen, if we want to talk JFK stuff, okay, like that, you know. But by the way, I'm going to Dallas next week with my dad, and we're going on the most serious JFK tour for like six hours in Dallas. I cannot wait. Wow. Oh all yeah. Right. Well, so. Do a video about it, or yeah, I'll have to film some stuff. But by the way, the the tour guide like asked me some questions to see, just you know, he's like, how how deep are you and how much you know. 
you know, we try to throw out like, you know, Alan Dulles. And I was like, oh, I, I saw his Alan Dulles and then blew him away with like all the other stuff I know about how Watergate and uh, JFK combined and fold over and stuff. So th th he was pretty impressed. And I think he's excited. And, and so am I. So we're going to get some really deep deep information about the, the second grassy knoll and uh, and how there really wasn't any shooter in the grate underneath the the the, uh, the, um, the street, which I'd never really believed, but nonetheless. So anyway, uh, I will come back and I'll report when I get back from, from Dallas next week, but uh, let's do it. What do we want to talk about today? Well, I, I think let's start just because it's that time of year. We all know that James Harden has the MVP award wrapped up. But there's yeah. been a lot of buzz about Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard and, you know, a lot of buzz from me about DeMar DeRozan. I don't know if anybody else is on that is on that train. So I thought, like, you know, maybe let's talk. I want to know, because this is something you and I haven't really talked about. Who's your top five for MVP? Ooh, you know, I, the list thing is always crazy for me. I never kind of keep it jumbled in my mind clearly, but I, I would think that um, – you know, Anthony, oh, here's the thing about Anthony Davis. I wasted a day and a half last week about to do a video of like the real MVP this year. And it was, I had all this, uh, I had uh, Beyonce singing about, you know, the song about Houston Rocket uh, Countdown. And, uh, and I had highlights of James Harden, and I was going to do a, an abrupt, and then like them actually show James Harden just blocking the crap out of one of his shots. I mean, not James Harden, Anthony Davis blocking the crap out of James Harden's shot and then going from there. But when I did the net rating analysis of Anthony Davis, his effect on the court then last week, it was negative since Boogie went down. And I was like, he's doing all this amazing stuff, but like his team isn't even, you know, outscoring the other team when he's on the floor. And I really just had to drop that whole conversation. I think it just goes to show how much we pay attention to the raw numbers, right? Yeah. But by the way, or how we shouldn't pay attention to net rating, like maybe that's not a good thing, but at least you got to be in positive you know, territory, don't you? Right. I think the net rating, it can be over, overstated, right? Um, like Jimmy Butler is a good example of this for me. Um, I just wrote something that's going to come out uh, next week. Uh-oh. Uh, Where? Uh, well... Uh, I'm on a round table for uh, hoop mag, but uh, I need, I know, I know. <laughs> I just, you, you, you don't want to write for the new, newly revamped B-Ball breakdown website, which by the way is now hosted by clutch points and has been destroying it out there. I mean, I can't believe what they've done in a week. So check out B-Ball breakdown. It's a whole new look, whole new thing, but same great content. Yeah. Jesse's going to be on my, on my ass about this one. But um, yeah, I, I wrote about uh, a little bit about Jimmy Butler because I think what you know. I think the Timberwolves are going to miss the playoffs. Okay, sounds well, fair. The the Wolves have a plus eight net rating when he's on, and a minus nine when he's off. So it's seventeen difference, right? How, what do we call that? Uh, I don't net differential. Yeah, we, that, that's the term. That's actually the way I like to really look at it. Is what what is the overall from the negative and the you know the uh, off on distance? That's, I like that. So okay, so it's it's a severe impact. I wonder how many other players have that kind of impact. Probably hardly anybody. Yeah, well, and it, it's it's a couple. Of, there's a couple of factors that go into that. They depend on him so much, not just for his production on the court, but the minutes that he plays on the court. I mean, he's playing, you know, like 38 to 44 minutes a game, and so he's out on the court a lot. And so, so much of their success happens when he is on the court. They don't have someone to, that can step in and kind of fill those shoes. Um, and then they sign Derrick Rose who they're probably going to play way too much. So, <laughs> you know, I just think that the Timberwolves are going to are going to drop off 
precipitously here in the last few weeks. Somebody um, asked me, though, if Derrick Rose will help. And so I said, well, is Derrick Rose better than Tyus Jones? No. Uh, you don't think Derrick Rose is going to give him more production than Tyus Jones in 18, uh, 19 minutes a game? Okay, but pr- production, raw production and being a better player are two do- totally different things. I mean, like, I think that Tyus Jones is a better player for, for that team. Okay. Uh, he can hit threes. I think he's a better defender, uh, better passer. Derek Derek Rose certainly is going to get to the rim more. Yeah, but you know, hey, hey, look, I, I'd I'd be a huge fan if Derek Rose reunited with Tom Thibodeau and you know has a throwback. Um, but remember, he and Jimmy Butler didn't really get along uh, very well that last season in Chicago. So. Oh, you know, I've forgotten that in the in the not getting along with Hoiberg uh, later stuff. So, okay, interesting. But um, Davis on court, by the way, really quickly, he is a plus 3.4 in the 14 games since Boogie went down. So he turned that around over the last couple games. So if you do want to argue him, but so anyway, so you want to argue Jimmy Butler over Anthony Davis as the next in line for the MVP? Well, no. I would, I would say DeMar DeRozan. Um, oh, Okay. You know, they're the number one seed in the East. Uh, that offense that we have that we've all talked about being so much better and looking better, at least you know, like being more aesthetically pleasing, creating more space. So much of that is due to Demar Derozan and his the fact that he has accepted what is a different role, right? I mean, he is he has turned himself into uh, the secondary playmaker on that team. I mean, he he's essentially plays co point guard with Kyle Lowry. Um, you know, we watch him. Not only can he can he score thirty a game, which we know he can do, or forty when they need it, but he's also doing things like he did the other night, where he finds Fred Van Vliet in the corner for a wide open three, and he actually had a, a mid a contested mid ranger that I feel like up to last year he would have taken, but he made the right play, and so I, I give him a lot of credit for that. Also, his his on court performance has been fantastic, and so you know I, I think Demar Derozan. It's this is one of those things where the the Toronto people really do have a genuine beef when they talk about being ignored. Um, For sure, yeah, and, they, and wait, and what, wait, can we point out because I don't think you pointed out his the dunk that he had to tie or to cut the lead or no to give him a one point lead no to give him a two point lead at the end of that game. Uh, which was one of the more, and I didn't even go viral that tweet. I have no idea why, because it was amazing. He inbounded full court drive, dunk. Uh, Blake Griffin gets out of the way, doesn't play defense at all, and dunks on somebody else on the Detroit Pistons, Tolliver maybe, and he gets an and one. I've never seen uh, a finish of the game like that. That was insane, um, and, and DeRozan was part of that for sure. So, um, yeah, let he, me throw. Yeah, go ahead. He's been fantastic this year, and, and I think that it's underrated. Um, you know, and so again, he's in my top five for MVP. I think that it's it's important that his team wins. You know, I think that that is 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 such a huge deal. Something I argued against last year, and the argument, my argument against Russell Westbrook, the fact that they were, you know, what were they the five seed or whatever? Mm-hmm. They won forty eight games. James Harden was the MVP last year, and if you weren't going to give it to James Harden, you give it to Kawhi Leonard, and and that's it. Um, but I think that your team has to perform well, like one way or the other. And I get it. A lot of the same people who were arguing that Russell Westbrook had no help also wanted Steven Adams and Andre Robertson on the all defensive team. So, um, yeah, you, know, you can't have it both ways. 
Uh, fair enough, fair enough. And man, we need that shots fired sound effect uh, for that Russ take on there. Uh, Listen, <laughs> I understand why he won it, and he had an amazing year. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it is narrative-driven. He mm-hmm. had the triple-double that he averaged the whole season. He was just completely unconscious, late-game situations. Like, they won 48 games. single He single-handedly won, like, 11 games for them. And just by hitting clutch shots and, and being just absolutely crazy at the end of games. So this isn't to knock the season that he had. I think he was he was electric. He was fantastic. He's the guy we will remember from last year. But you know, it, we we watered the award down uh, the award down when we awarded that way. And so, you know, now there's an argument to be made that that maybe it should be most outstanding or best offensive player or whatever you want to call it. Um, in which case, okay, now you, you've got you know you've got my ear a little bit, and you can make an argument. But with the way the award has been given, I just think that wins should matter. And DeRozan has has been fantastic. So absolutely, and you know it's funny. I mentioned this on Twitter earlier uh, uh, today, where when you kind of move to a more of a motion offense, and the ball moves, and you, and you increase your passing, the guy that's going to suffer the most is the point guard. Now, people were like, and I, and I did hashtag Lowry because that's the guy who's going to lose production. And, of course, people are like, well, what about Curry? Well, Curry certainly has his assists throttled because of that. He, he, he'll never average more than six or seven assists a game in that system because the point guard just never has control of the ball that often. And I, I would argue that this is what we're seeing now. And, 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 and Lowry's kind of had a bit of a, a lull here where he's not producing like he used to. Um, team's better, though. Right. but And, and- – Lowry and DeRozan both are playing fewer minutes. Mm-hmm. So the raw numbers, the raw production is definitely lower. I mean, DeRozan's not scoring what he scored last year per game, but I think he's having a better season. And so uh, this, this sets them up for better success in the playoffs as well. And, and this is anytime I bring up the Raptors, that's all anybody wants to talk about. So let's talk about the playoffs just for a second. This you know what? Okay, go ahead. Bench in the league. They have the best bench in the league. They've got young legs that are actually contributing, which is going to be fantastic come April and May. Um, and and Lowry and DeRozan, their two most important players, have played fewer minutes this season, which means they're going to have fresher legs come playoff time. They've also they may be able to in the first round of the playoffs they may be able to go ten or eleven deep. That's insane. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if they will actually do that because we've seen uh, Casey struggle with lineups in the playoffs before and either not adjusting or adjusting too much. So we'll see if that's going to get in the way. But uh, you know what happens when you talk about the playoffs, Dave? What's that? You get me really kind of (laughs) hungry. And when you're talking about being hungry, I can't think of anything better than to talk about uh, the, the, the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country, Blue Apron. Um, and it really is a, a fantastic uh, company that brings you food to your door. Things like uh, short rib burgers and hoppy cheddar sauce on a pretzel bun. How and about your... last night? I had chicken tetrazzini. Really? Yeah. Wow. Delicious. How was it? It was fantastic, yeah. Really? I mean, I got seared steaks and thyme pan sauce coming up with mashed potatoes, green beans, and crispy shallots. And it takes all of the all things in under 45 minutes. You've probably seen I've done periscopes where I've actually cooked and answered questions at the same time in a great show. So uh, definitely uh, the thing that you need to try and check out because uh, they do. there's a lot of things there. They make Their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. And they achieve this by supporting a more sustainable food system with highest standards for ingredients and building a community of home chefs. 
So you can do a two-person meal plan, a family meal plan. They even have a wine plan for those of you who want wine. Uh, so really fascinating stuff, really great stuff. I can't tell you how much we enjoy it. My wife made one on her own the other night. If that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what does. Wow. That's yeah. It really, believe me, if you knew, you know my wife a little bit, if you knew her, like you'd realize how impressive that really is. It's crazy. Well, yeah, I'm the cook in my house. So, uh, I, you know, my wife just stays out of the way. Oh, yeah. Well, my, my wife feigns ignorance. Like she doesn't know how to cook. So, this is something like, you know, the fact that she could actually read the directions and then follow through and made a really great breaded chicken thing that was amazing. So, it's really convenient. They, they deliver all the stuff to your door, fresh. It's pre portioned. So, you don't know, have to be measuring anything. It comes right that, that way. Uh, they have a really flexible menu, whichever, whatever you like to eat. They can, uh, they can concoct things for you and adjust whatever they like it. And um, don't forget, if you go to blueapron.com slash Coach Nick, you'll save $30 off your first order. So check out this week's menu. Get your 30 bucks off. Go to blueapron.com slash Coach Nick and find out why Blue Apron is a better way to cook. And by the way, I, like, I know that they're a sponsor of the show. I really do use Blue Apron, and so do you. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic service. It's awesome. It's night, like it mixes up uh, what we eat in our house, you know, for dinner during the week. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. So, like, yes, oh, yeah. and that's a sponsor, but it really is good stuff. And it saves us every, all, I can't tell you, we do it twice a week where it's like, what's for dinner? Oh, oh, we have a blue apron. It's like, it saves us a lot of time from spending mm-hmm. way too much money either ordering in or going to or whatever. So, it's really a, a, a lifesaver there. And, you know, studies show that when your family cook together, they get along better. And that certainly is the case. My daughter and I will cook a lot of them. So, yes. Uh, but let's get back to the playoffs because we're talking about a lot of stuff here. You know, I just did a video, by the way. I think we could talk about that, about the Rockets offense. I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet. Have you? I haven't watched it yet, no. But okay. it, it's sitting in my, my YouTube queue to okay. watch. Um, well, what, I like to watch your videos on the TV, right? Oh. So I get a big full screen effect. All right, we'll have to get that Chromecast uh, sponsorship next time. But let's. Here's what I. There's a couple things that came out that I thought were fascinating, and that all of the metrics they do that they measure with uh, speed and distance, they're last in. So they don't move. The, the, on average, the speed they move and how much they actually run is is the last in the league, which is crazy because they're tenth in pace. But what we're finding out is that they they're isolating more than any team has since the mellow years in New York for that one year, and then then although Kobe did it in 0607 for the Lakers. Like they did it 20% of the time, they ISO, which is insane. The Rockets are at 14, but they are doing it more efficiently than any team ever since they started recording this as a stat on Synergy. Um, but here's my concern is that we now have an offense that literally doesn't really move the ball that much. Does, uh, their last, there's 29th in passes per game. Right. And they, don't, they want to limit turnovers that way, get shots up. So we have that side where it's like a ton of ISOs, let one player create for everybody. Right. Versus the Warriors and the Spurs, which are you know five man units working at five five hand, fingers on a hand and creating the shot together, a best shot. I I kind of pose that question: Are we at a crossroads here where we're battling for the soul of basketball and what it's going to look like going forward? Um, I don't know about that. I, I think that this team is pretty unique. Uh, James Harden and Chris Paul are two of the best isolation creators in the last 25 years of basketball. And that just doesn't mean that they score in isolation. It means that they're able to create situations and advantages in isolation for other players on their team. And, and, and the Rockets have done a great job of, A, building a team that can accentuate those skills and capitalize on those skills. And so you get guys like P.J. Tucker 
uh, Luke Richard and Bavute, Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson, uh, Clint Capella. So you can run isolation into other stuff, whether it's just the kick out to the corner and then you get the, the next pass to the, to the wing or, you know, their, their bread and butter, which is really pick and roll. I mean, I know they're running a ton, a ton of isolation, but they, they run more spread pick and roll. Dead. Oh, well, that's what they actually are talking about. After the pick and roll, they force the switch. And by the way, that I've never seen a team. So the, the Cavaliers laid the blueprint in 2015 for setting a screen and roll or running a screen and roll, getting the screen and then letting you know uh, LeBron ISO on, be it Curry or whoever else the, uh, the he wants to. Well, I've never seen a team like the Rockets ruthlessly attack this method so often, so many times in a row. Melo got spit-roasted against OKC. And I remember I, I didn't watch the whole first half, but what I did see the last like second half of the second quarter, it was like literally 12, 15 positions in a row, and every shot they got was either a wide-open three or a layup. And, yeah. and it was all Melo being guarding this, the ball screener and having to switch. And so I said, you know, I don't think Melo's going to be able to play much in a playoff series against the Rockets. And people were like, oh, he's got 19 points, you idiot. I said, yeah, but they're down by 10. And you think he's going to score another 19 in the second half? So... Uh, they did the same thing to Jabari Parker uh, against Milwaukee the next the next night or whatever that was. So these guys are in playoff mode already, just relentlessly going to force your worst defender off the floor, and then hopefully you get somebody else's better. But then you might suffer on the offensive end. Absolutely, and you know, I mean, it reminds me of uh, when people were playing Boston last year and, and constantly trying to force the switch for Isaiah Thomas, but they were doing that for post ups. And post ups are, I mean, you know, a guy like Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, he's short, but he's stout. So a post-up is not exactly great, right? Like you've got a defender. You're actually being defended, um, whereas the, the Rockets are great about getting that big or a guy like Melo switched out onto Chris Paul or James Harden who are going to be quicker and attack the basket. So you actually they, – they get a full head of steam. You can't – like if you're the big, you can't hang back off of them because they'll shoot the 25-footer, as Chris Paul did a few times the other night. Um, and James Harden, we all know, like he – He's unconscious out there. I mean, he's taking 10 threes a game and, you know, but he's also taking 10 free throws a game. So he's great at drawing contact. It, it really is. I mean, it's a murderer's row that they've got. And Chris Paul has worked perfectly as a partner for James Harden. And then, you know, when they get into their other stuff, when they do run the 21 series, it's so deadly because you're worried about everything else they can do. Yeah. They, by the way, there's it's hard to find possessions like that at least I went through their scores I went through like about 200 of their possessions half court of scores which covers you know several games uh, I literally found like 15 clips where they would score not doing a high pick and roll to start off with which is crazy or, or Spain pick and roll which by the way they've so completely adopted that as an offense where they back screen the ball screeners man and it's so effective uh, that they don't really need to do too much. Is this sort of an evolution? I know it's an evolution from Mike D'Antoni's offense in Phoenix. It's, they're taking more threes, which is the one thing that D'Antoni's sons, they led the league in threes for some of those years, but not enough. But I almost feel like it's another outcropping from like Allen Iverson's days in Philly. Um, I wouldn't go that far because, they, I mean, there are actually, there are more actions, you know? I mean, they do have other, other tools in their, in their toolbox. They just don't use them. Right. Like if it's working, why would you just switch it up if it's, you know, right. I get it. And, and they're actually conserving energy this way, which is so funny to think about. But, you know, like so James Harden playing 36 to 38 minutes is not the same as uh, maybe uh, Clay Thompson's 36 to 38 minutes because Clay Thompson's so active away from the ball. Uh, J.J. Redick, another guy who's working so hard for every single shot he gets. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I think if it's not broke, you don't fix it. Maybe, but Harden's working so much harder on offense just to create shots too. So that does balance out a little bit there, I would think. Uh, but either way, it's an interesting uh, you know discussion as far as like is this a battle for the soul of basketball? Are we going to now see like people in high school? Because you know high school teams will have like one really good player. I know I had a really good point guard, and we could have ran pick and roll. Every single time down. And I'm like, yeah, but then you're going to see, you know, the other three guys just standing in the corner or in the wing the whole time. That's not basketball. But that's not, you know, certainly the Rockets don't have an issue with that. Well, Nick, I got to tell you, that's exactly what I did with my team. Uh Uh-oh. I had two good players, and we we looked an awful lot lot like this Houston Rockets team. Only I didn't have a bunch of guys that could sit in the corner and actually make threes. Um, You know, I, I do think... Now, I wasn't influenced by the Rockets on this. This is just, I think it's just what smart basketball people wind up doing. You're going you're gonna to want the ball in the hands of your best players, and you're, you're going to want to put the other lesser players in a position to succeed. And this is just, I, this is, to me, this is an example of Dan Tony uh, being non-dogmatic, of him saying, look at, look at the tools I've got in front of me. I've got a screwdriver. I've got a drill. I've got a hammer. Not everything is a hammer, right? And and he j- has come up with a way to make it work. Now, again, there's still a lot of D'Antoni in there, and you see it more with the second units and stuff like that. Um, you see better ball movement with the bench. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's – I don't know, man. I think it's good. Now, will it be sustainable in the playoffs? How, how do you feel about that? Well, the big question people have is, you know, will Harden continue to get the foul calls that he gets now – and they'll probably get you know two less free throws a game or maybe two and a half, whatever that is. Um, but even still, the guy can score the ball, and I don't think that's going to affect him that much. So you know, there's no, there's not a lot of weak side screening to get things open. Um, so I don't know. I guess for me, the jury is out. Um, you know, because then again, the Warriors sometimes look a little bit precarious too, because. You know, it's sometimes you know you know the ball's going to start moving, and then all of a sudden it's going to be like Nick Young is going to be able to make a decision. Then you're like, I don't think you want that to happen, right? So, um, and by the way, his defense, he gets lost. It's like it's so frightening how often he gets lost. You don't have to like you know, it doesn't have to wait for more than a minute to see him just completely you know turn the wrong way and the guy's cutting and they hit him. But nonetheless, so that's that's the worry is that like you're going to get the wrong guys making decisions on a, on a motion based offense like the Warriors run, whereas at least right what you said the Rockets are you're guaranteed. You know, Ryan Anderson knows the exact shot he's going to get, and, he's, and with Harden is so good and CP3 is so good that they're going to deliver it to him. Which, by the way, is another interesting uh, parallel or, or comparison. A guy like LeBron James, who has been doing basically that same role all these years, um, I would argue he doesn't facilitate in the same way that that Harden does, and certainly not like CP3 does. So uh, LeBron's role players tend to get into slumps easier because they don't get that same rhythm, where at the very least there's the same rhythm with the Rockets as the ball moves. Does that make sense? Um, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't know if it's accurate. You know what I mean? Because like, it's not like LeBron takes a ton of shots. Um. Okay. Like I mean, compared he, to Harden, I, I would guess that their their numbers are. I, I mean, he probably takes fewer shots than Harden. Well, you, there's only you know it, it, if only we had a way of. Yeah, if only we could. And by the way, anybody out there who's going to complain about me, you can hear me typing. Um, I'm sorry, but this is a live show. We need to you know do some referencing. So I'm sorry if you hear a little clickety clack while we do this. But hey, um, it's it's sometimes we got to get some answers from people. So look, shots a game right now. LeBron's taking how many? 19 a game. All right. I don't think Harden's taking money more than that, is he? 
Harden is taking 20. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I bet, James, I bet uh, LeBron James is making more passes per game than James Harden, if you're counting, like, the hit-ahead pass and things like that. I don't know. Uh, it would be interesting to find out, but I, I don't know about that. I, I, and by the way, uh, well, we could look at that too if you wanted to while we're talking about stats on NBA. By the way, stats on NBA.com is a gold mine. Might be hard to find some of the stuff in there, but it's a gold mine for information. So, um, how to how to find everything? You need yes. a map and a flashlight to find. Yeah. No, I had a nice call with them about uh, last a few days ago for an hour, and they were like blowing me away. But I'm like, I had no idea that half the things were there. So. Um, at any rate, uh, I don't know. There's something about that. And we've seen it. We've seen like the Shane Battiers and the uh, Ray Allens and that in that era of like with LeBron in the finals stuff, just going these long slumps. Um, and I kind of feel like that doesn't necessarily happen as much. But we haven't seen, you know, obviously Harden in the finals since, you know, that when yep. he was a role player. So we'll have to wait and see if that's any different or not. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious if, we, if, we, if we'll start seeing more like even the lower levels do what you did and what the Rockets are doing versus like, I mean, my take would be I'm going to I'm going to do my best to increase the skill level of everybody so they all can be a part of this. And at the very least, it's like they're setting weak side screens. They're catching the ball in the high post. They're doing other things where they're touching the ball and being part of the flow um, versus spotting up uh, a lot more of the time, I suppose. Sure. is the but, difference. but if your goal is let's let's do what works and let's try to win a championship. I think Houston is on the right path. Now, th- this is the first team that I really felt like could potentially beat the Warriors in the playoffs. Yeah, they and believe. They're, exactly. They, you know, they're defending really well. They're, you know, they're, they're obviously the offense is incredible. Um, and they've got guys, you know, the, the narrative around Chris Paul and James Harden not being good in the playoffs is a false one. Harden has just had, he's had some high profile games that, that things have not gone well. Um but, you know, there, there was this narrative that Steph Curry wasn't good in the playoffs, too, which is also completely wrong. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, I don't know, it's going to be fun, man, and we better get that series. And we better get it with everybody healthy. I'm going to be so disappointed if that, if that doesn't happen. I mean, it's it, okay. Let's let maybe as we wrap up, we can talk about that. Like, I don't see that not happening, right? They're going to be one, two. So they're going to get a favorable matchup in the first round, I think. Although who knows what's going to be the first round at this point? Again, it's it it, it, it it's no less insane now than it was when we spoke about it. I guess last week, right? Uh, no, it's still pretty crazy. Um, yeah, listen, I don't know about you, but I if I'm the Rockets, the team I definitely do not want to play before the Warriors is the San Antonio Spurs. That I mean, there's just something there. And Kawhi's going to be back, and uh, you know he is. Yeah, yeah, Kawhi's coming back soon. Oh, I missed that news. Yeah, so you know, by the second round of the playoffs, Kawhi should be you know back to normal. Hopefully, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, man. I would not. I would not want to play this Spurs team for some reason. This is if they make the playoffs. Like they still could miss the playoffs, and uh, I still think they're scary come playoff time. I hear you. I mean, they're really, really tough. But again, uh, there was an interesting stat by Alvaro Martin on Twitter today where they're uh, second to last in the league in crunch time plus minus because they don't have Kawhi. Like with Kawhi, all of a sudden, yeah, they get there because they're just they're just not good enough. They can compete with anybody, but they're not going to win. I mean, they would lose in five. 
uh, without Kawhi, I feel like. So yeah. the question, yeah, but, but Kawhi gets him to, you know, seven or, you know, who knows if they can beat him. But, yeah, uh, it's really too bad because, you know, this is a, this is a long-term pro- process for the Spurs where they developed Kawhi. They knew they are going to have him for 15 years, whatever it's going to be, right? And then he disappears or he doesn't disappear. He's hurt and he can't play. And there really isn't any other contingency plan for that. They're not going to bring in other free agents and trades or stuff. So um, it really is too bad. They, 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 all their eggs are in this basket, and they got to get him to come, and they got to get him healthy and playing at the top of his powers. Yeah, and, and uh, in the recent swoon that they've had, LaMarcus Aldridge hasn't been 100%. You know, he's got the ankle injury that's lingering a little bit. Um, I just think that the, this small sample of recent games that, where they've looked pretty bad mm-hmm. – um, no, well, they, they looked great last night, by the way. They did. They did. Um, they looked better. Until the end. They had a four-point lead with, you know, the two minutes to go, and then they kind of just, just fell apart. And then, I mean, listen, Kevin Durant is insane. Right. Uh, and by the way, we didn't Please. mention him as MVP. And I, I really think that he deserves at least, you know, top uh, three. I don't know. I don't know, man. Again, like, I mean, I hate to be a hater because he plays with Steph, and but – I don't know. Maybe maybe he should. Maybe maybe I am just being a hater. I mean, it's fatigue, I guess. It's LeBron. I mean, by the way, how is LeBron not like you know in the top three discussion, right? Like well, he gets kind of tired. But LeBron, LeBron uh, Durant's scoring more than he did last year. He's shooting. Um, let's see. Is he shooting the same? He's shooting better, like much better from three. Uh, and overall, let's see. Effective field goal percentage is about the same. Uh, you know, five point four assists, seven rebounds, two blocks a game. I mean, the guy's doing everything. He had a block on Bertans last night that was on the open court that was just breathtaking. And had and had Bertans uh, kind of shook a little bit when he was going to pull up for three after that block. Yeah, yeah. Um, Why didn't Bertans yeah. just dunk that? I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, Bertans should have dunked it because Bertans is a really good athlete. Yeah, um, but I think you're right. I think Steph or Steph. I think KD should be in that in that MVP conversation, and maybe he's the guy right behind Harden. Um, right. You know, you brought up LeBron. I, I think that that two month swoon that they had. Where LeBron essentially didn't care and didn't play any D. Look, man, that has to matter. Um, yeah, it, it's I a mean, regular season award, right? And uh, you know, if it was if it was who's the best player in the league award, uh, he would have won it for for the last you know ten years. Um, but it's not that award. So um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I, I think I might be. You may have just convinced me that Durant is up there. Okay, there you go. That was not hard. No, <laughs> to, wasn't hard at all. So yeah, all right. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, he, you know, he should be up there. I guess LeBron should be up there somewhere. Damian Lillard should be up there. I mean, he's been doing. Listen, Damian Lillard and and, and CJ McCollum together, they've they've kept this team. I mean, are they wait? Are they still third? Where's my? Uh... Yeah, they're still third. All right, I got too many tabs open. They're yeah. still third, but how much? What's the difference here? How much do they have? They've got a half game lead. Um, but I think I think Dame should be in the conversation. Um. You know, I mean, by conversation, I mean conversation for being runner-up, not right. for being and, and they're going to benefit because the Pelicans are the half game behind them, but they now that AD is – by the way, AD wrenched that ankle, and, like, they, he's not playing tonight, but, like, he's not coming back for at least – if he comes back inside of two weeks, then he's definitely disobeying the doctor's orders as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I agree. And so, yeah, um, I, I worry about that that – the next two weeks for the Pelicans. I mean, they've won 10 straight. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. the Pelicans can slip out of the playoffs, so can the, Th- uh, so can the Timberwolves, and that means the Nuggets and the Jazz make it. Um, and that's, you know, they're, they're, all these teams are worthy. Just you know, you, uh, just, just, just to kind of put in perspective how crazy the Western Conference is right now, 
The Rockets are on a 17-game winning streak. The Warriors are on a seven-game winning streak. The Blazers are on an eight-game win streak. They play tonight. Uh, the Pelicans are on a 10-game winning streak. Yeah. The Jazz are on a new four-game winning streak, and this was after their 11-game uh, winning streak. So I think that in their last, what was that, 13-2? and two. So they're 17-2 and two in their last 19 or something like that. Yeah. The 10th place team in the West would be 7th, according to record, in the East. Yeah. Um, which still doesn't even explain, like, you know, the Jazz in a playoff series could easily beat the Bucks. They could beat the Heat. They, I mean, the Sixers, I don't know. But they can certainly, you know, be, be worthy of a sixth seed in the East. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's insane. It's so much fun. I love it, man. Like, it's, it's so much fun. We've got a statistical tie for the eighth spot right now with the Clippers, the Nuggets, and the Jazz. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It's awesome. I it is. That. It is. Uh, and if you could, if you sound any more excited, then you have to like give you some uh, loot or something. But um, <laughs> either way, I can't wait, especially because for the first time, the spring breaks of the kids don't line up with the playoffs this year, where they almost every year it's always been that way. They've been out for the first like week. So I'm going to be here starting February or April, what is it, 16th or whatever is going to start date is. I'm going to be here front and center. We're going to be making multiple videos a day and we'll just trying it out. Right? We'll be going live all the time. In fact, let's just do a lot 24-7. Let's do a Big Brother style. What do you say? Do a live channel. I'll, I'll wear a GoPro. Yeah. Grab to my chest. Let's do that. Can you, get, can you get a GoPro then hooked up to a, to a phone that can then stream? Um. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. You know, they have built-in Wi-Fi. Oh no! Just have your phone. Just get the thing for your phone. You don't need a GoPro. Just have your phone be the thing as a camera. So there you go. Um, so we'll try to do something like that. And a lot of cool stuff coming up. If you haven't checked out the website recently, you got to check it out. Bballbreakdown.com. We'll take you over to the Clutch Point side. Uh, and they just—it's all the same great content. They—they're just doing another an amazing job of it. And we're getting a ton more uh, eyeballs on all of our stuff now. So it's been really exciting there. Thank you, Clutch Points. Uh, Dave, anything else you want to shout out? Uh, no, just, you know, everybody check out uh, my solo podcast on the NBA with Dave DeFore. Um, I had Adam Mares on at the beginning of the week, and we kind of broke down how crazy the Western Conference is. Um, next week, I've got Mirren Fader from Bleacher Report coming on. Oh. And, yeah. Do yeah. yes. name I haven't heard? Yes, we're going to talk about, she wrote a, a really great piece about um, LaMelo Ball in Lithuania. Oh. We're a little bit about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. Nice. And well, and follow me on Twitter at Dave Dufour NBA so that you can catch all my jokes. <laughs> As they come fast and furious. So, well, thanks, Dave, for coming on the show. Awesome stuff today. Thank you guys for joining us over on Periscope. And then on the podcast, we'll, we'll post this later on today. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win. Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am.